section four of the english restoration and louis the fourteenth by osmond airy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter two prelude to the fronde part two number three the prince of conde great as was the service which the successes of enghien now to be known as conde his father having died had rendered the government his position was the cause of much anxiety to mazarin whether for generalship or personal prowess he formed the most brilliant military figure of the time as a great cavalry leader he has had no equal marlborough was not more calm nor rupert more impetuous to him were given the face and figure that beseem the warrior the ringing voice to rally a squadron reeling from the charge the eagle eye which notes every desperate chance the instantaneous decision which compels the fate of battle he became the idol of the proud and warlike youth who had fought and conquered with him at rocroix and nordlingen and who emulating his cool carelessness in danger and his desperate valour in action formed the nucleus of that household brigade which earned for itself so terrible a fame throughout europe supreme as he was however in the battlefield conde's character was marred by unfortunate weaknesses he was foppish irritable intemperate in thought and language and inordinately vain his followers imitated the defects of their master and what was pardonable in the great soldier became absurd in them with their wonted readiness the parisians took hold of the poorer side of their character the supercilious airs the foppishness of dress and they have come down to us as the petit maitre intoxicated with his well-earned glory and with the adulation of this band of worshippers influential alike by the enormous wealth and power which he had inherited and by his near relation to the throne conde now began to evince a dangerous ambition in this ambition he was firmly withstood by mazarin and the queen to allow one man to become so powerful was to throw up the game the check sank deep into conde's mind to the contempt of the noble for the bourgeois and of the warrior for the statesman was now added a feeling of active hostility which at no distant time was to bear fruit number four encroachments of the parlement this however was not the danger that was momentarily pressing upon the government the financial troubles were again urgent in addition to indirect taxation which raised no opposition from the people emery now put in action one of the edicts of sixteen forty five by which all possessors of lands held on an annual rental to the crown were ordered to redeem that rent by payment of a year's revenue the peculiar sting of this lay in the fact that while the rent had not been changed since the middle ages and was therefore practically nominal the revenue had continually increased the bourgeoisie were at once in arms against the rachat for three days the palais royal was besieged by a crowd of angry citizens the announcement that a lit de justice was to be held to bear down opposition intensified the excitement dangerous talk was heard the successful insurrection of mazaniello in naples was quoted during the night the firing of musketry was heard in the streets 
the bourgeois were trying their arms urged on by their necessities the government nevertheless were firm the lit de justice was held the operation of the rachat was indeed postponed but money was again raised by new creations especially of maitre de requete the young king and mazarin had to listen to some plain speaking for ten years sire said omer talon the president the country districts have been ruined the peasants compelled to lie upon straw their furniture sold for the payment of taxes and for ten years to minister to the luxury of paris millions of innocent folk are obliged to live upon rye and oat bread and their only protection is their poverty their souls and nothing else are their own and that is only because they cannot be sold the historian of the french revolution finds its direct cause in the state of misery to which the peasantry were reduced under the administrations of richelieu and mazarin over the creation of maitre de requete serious opposition again broke out the existing officials loudly denied the right to create new offices during the minority of the king belonging as they did to the haute bourgeoisie officially connected with the parlement and in some cases allied to the noblesse they were a dangerous body to attack the parlement gladly made their cause its own it now went a step further than hitherto in its encroachments it refused at first to vote the edicts registered at the lit de justice except that of the rachat and some others which it allowed with modifications in the end however it shrank once more from open conflict none the less it continued its examination of the edicts sous le bon plaisir du roi the example told upon the provinces both in brittany and at toulouse there was open and violent resistance a last resource was now discovered by the ingenuity of Emery, the paulette so named after its originator paulet who lived in the reign of henry the fourth was an annual tax paid by all officials who had a right to the heredity of their offices once in every nine years it was subject to revision before renewal and sixteen forty eight was the year at which a fresh revision was due emery now in addition to ceasing all payments to the creditors of government for a year a device afterwards imitated by charles the second in the stop of the exchequer and of salaries to the inferior officials determined to demand as a condition of the renewal a fine of four years salary in the hope of avoiding the opposition of the parlement the fine was not to be levied upon that body but the bribe was refused on the contrary the parlement signed a bond of union may thirteenth sixteen forty eight with the other sovereign courts and decided to send deputies to a conference in the chamber of st louis the court immediately recognized the significance of such a step and determined to oppose the meeting with resolution it was not to be imagined that an assembly so formed would limit its actions to the single purpose for which it was ostensibly convened two leading deputies were arrested others were exiled from paris and threats of severer measures were thrown out suddenly at the moment when the court seemed in command of the situation events occurred which compelled mazarin to temporize orleans joined the malcontents beaufort the leader of the important had escaped from vincennes the provinces were stirring for revolt abroad too matters were going ill 
the spaniards had taken courtrai and were gaining ground fast a conference was therefore opened with the parlement at which mazarin made a striking representation of the danger of its action discord he said was giving to spain greater advantages than she could gain by force of arms the refusal of supplies would speedily make useless all the expenditure of blood and treasure already incurred catalonia must be abandoned the alliance with sweden and other powers to whom france gave subsidies must be broken off his words were vain personal and selfish interests were supreme mazarin saw that resistance at the moment was useless he succeeded in inducing the haughty queen to bend before the canaille as she called them in her anger to promise the release of the imprisoned members and the acceptance of the demands of the parlement parlement at once sent deputies to the chamber of st louis and thus at first in defiance of the queen and at length on june thirtieth sixteen forty eight with her consent was formed a body which became as was anticipated a permanent political assembly sitting during its own pleasure like our long parliament for the reform of the kingdom the aristocracy of the robe had won a definite victory over ministerial power five the english rebellion and the fronde between the five years barren turmoil of the fronde and the contemporary struggle of the english parliament with charles i there are points of superficial similarity sufficiently striking to suggest comparison in both cases the conflict arose from the ill-defined character of the prerogative in relation to the other powers of the state and in both the prime ministership the special characteristic of absolutism was in the first instance the object of attack in both the contending forces under the stress of war each summoned to its help foreign aid and in both the anti-absolutist party established in defiance of the constitution a permanent assembly the one in the chamber of st louis the other in the long parliament but here resemblance ceases the differences between the two movements were radical and profound how real was the one how purposeless in comparison was the other may be inferred from the fact that whereas the english movement reacted constantly upon the french the events of the fronde received not the slightest attention from even if they were known to those who in england were engaged in a conflict which absorbed every quality of heart and brain the english contest was at once accentuated and ennobled by religious and intellectual antagonism of the intensest character it was a contest of modes of thought an earnest faith in the righteousness of their cause an enthusiastic conviction in the direct interposition of god in their behalf sustained the noblest of charles's antagonists in every reverse and carried them forward to every victory and it is this which clothes the english rebellion with tragic dignity to the fronde this religious element was utterly wanting and so there was in it no trace of heroism for falkland eagerly welcoming the death which saved him from witnessing longer the agony of his country for hampton praying with his last breath for her relief for milton sanctifying rebellion by a divine eloquence it has absolutely no figures to show 
so too in face of the struggle of great principles which constituted the english rebellion family ties were unhesitatingly if mournfully sacrificed and gallantry and intrigue were powerless in the whole annals of the civil war scarcely a woman's name occurs but the pages of the fronde are crowded with the names of women beautiful clever and brave but licentious and unprincipled who swayed the fortunes of the fight at the caprice of their amour or the ambition of their families who had each of them her price and to gain whom occupied the constant attention of mazarin and his opponents alike we look in vain to the leaders of the fronde for self-sacrifice or the idea of duty for far-reaching sight or for controlling force we look in vain for an elliot a pym or a cromwell we find instead de retz whose highest ambition was to be the leader of a faction and whose strongest motive was personal hatred of mazarin who despising his dupes merely amused himself with revolt we find beaufort vain silly and petulant the darling of shopkeepers wives Condé, leading more than once the hereditary enemies of his country against his king with no higher object than the satisfaction of his vanity or leon slothful timid and blown about with every varying wind of fortune beside them there flash across the stage with all the picturesque garb and incident of the time many gay and gallant figures as brilliant in their contrast with the sombre men of the english revolution as the causes for which they contested were light and fleeting in comparison with the stern purposes of that great fight the contrast is expressed in the names a fronde was a sling used by boys in their play the english movement was indeed a revolution the french movement was but a mischievous burlesque of a revolution and as such it is fitly known by a name derived from the sport of gamins and schoolboys to these the profoundest of the differences which forbid comparison there are others little less striking to be added the english parliament represented freely and directly the whole english people the parlement of paris was a body of permanent officials who though they had acquired considerable power possessed constitutionally no legislative or even deliberative functions represented no interests but their own and discovered in every action the inveterate selfishness of a narrow and grasping caste in england the intimate connection between all the members of the social body the sympathy the comradeship indeed between nobles and commoners governed and governing classes made cooperation not merely feasible but natural and enabled the whole nation from highest to lowest to take in the struggle an eager and constant part in france the baneful division of classes long existing and sedulously encouraged by richelieu was fatal to all such common action the bourgeoisie had no support in an impoverished and despairing peasantry and though for a time officialism might enlist the scornful support of an idle and arrogant noblesse the unnatural alliance gave way as soon as a common danger was removed the english movement was national the french was personal one more difference of far-reaching import must be noticed old and venerable as was the idea of monarchy in england its place in the english mind was disputed and in many cases occupied by the representative idea 
which had grown up with it side by side and so it happened that though destroying forever all hope for royal absolutism the english revolution was eminently constructive the parliament saw more clearly than the king what they wanted and this they were able to obtain without a king the machinery of government was ready to their hand the destruction of monarchy as a temporary measure was therefore possible without national disintegration very different was it in france even previous to the ministry of richelieu the idea of the sacredness of monarchy had been all pervading and he had striven to raise it to the rank of a religion it had absorbed into itself all other ideas of government and it never entered into any frenchman's head that monarchy could be dispensed with for a day and thus the french movement was eminently destructive it is impossible to see even now what could have taken the place of the french absolutism except disastrous and illimitable confusion had either officialism or grandeeism triumphed it was the sense of this that led to the final failure of the fronde how different were the issues in the two countries may be judged from the party cries in england the royalists cried god and the king his opponent answered with god and the parliament in france even while the king was a child there were but two serious variations upon vive le roi they were vive le roi et les princes and à bas le mazarin end of section four